Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Broad Street, a UK podcast, and it is my pleasure to welcome along a very special guest, Philadelphia's Phillies pitcher, Cole Swervin Irving. Cole, <laughs> thank you for coming on, and, and how are you, my man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hang out and talk. It's, uh, as I was just saying before, it's surreal we've got you on here as a player that we followed through the minors as a podcast player and, and see you breaking the, the majors. We watched your debut live and now you're here with us. It's just, it's fantastic. So, so thank you very much. Um, be- before we get started, I just want to say uh, and send our condolences to uh, Tommy Lasada's family. Um, yeah. Really a baseball icon and, well, legend is a word bandaged about a lot but this guy was an absolute legend in his own right and uh, he sadly passed away condolences and our thoughts to his friends and family uh, a norristown native of course uh rooted for the phillies played for the phillies that was his first pro team um for me only been into baseball last nine ten years i actually got to see him first as i think a few people have the younger generation with those brilliant videos with him and the phillies fanatic uh <laughs> he was a real character and cold and about you but a real legend of the game. Yeah, a real legend. And and to be a part of not only just the Phillies organization, but uh, the Dodgers organization in both Brooklyn and L.A. Um, it's it's I, I grew up in Yorba Linda, which happened to be his later life uh, town. Right. And the Tomulus sort of field house was where. I had a lot of functions. I played a lot of basketball there. I played uh, baseball on the fields that were on the other side of it. So um, he was really instrumental in term in terms of the youth youth activities in the area. So um, Tommy Lasorda has a special place in my heart. I've met him plenty plenty of times, and um, just yeah, rest in peace. Just a just a great great person, and uh, just even better man for the community and someone to really kind of base your career off of he had a really wonderful career absolutely no absolutely well said um we're in uh, beginning of january off season uh how how is your off season going i've seen instagram you you're starting to get training you're warming up i love the homemade is it are these homemade videos in in your garage i love the simplicity <laughs> of the cones and the string it's like that's brilliant yeah, so there. So I just moved uh, to a different state um, back in March of 2020 when COVID literally hit, mm. and I was trying. I'm trying to still get established in my community and and get get comfortable. And I found a I found a cage that's been in the area for 40 years. Um, right. wow. A 75 se- year old man named Tony owns the place, and it's a basically, in a weird way, a a donation. Uh, to the town that we're in. Um, he doesn't charge kids to come in there work. He just asks kids to come sign in and pay a hundred dollar one-time fee just to maintain the cage. And what I've really enjoyed about Tony is just, he's been, he's a diehard Yankee fan, but, but he, (laughs) he thoroughly enjoys talking baseball and he's very old school. And so he stood in, watch, watch bullpens, not necessarily giving advice. He just gets to sit there and watch. And there's something, there's something, uh, meaningful and, and driven by that. Like he just yeah, works yeah. hard. Um, he was telling me that he works, what is it? December through February. He's got like 40 hour weeks and he doesn't know what to do with himself and he still works. And he doesn't know what to do with himself. And then when he gets back to 60 hour weeks, he feels comfortable, but he misses a bunch of baseball. So he's like, this is great. He loves watching. And, um, but yeah, no. So I just spend a lot of time trying to film. I'm trying to be a little bit more active on, on Instagram. Um, that's Mm. a platform that I haven't been 
very good at posting. <laughs> um, Twitter, I've been very good at, um, but I found that to be more distracting for what I want to do. Yeah. And so now I've kind of moved everything over to Instagram and it, it's been a lot more fun to just share pe- with people my routine, whether, whether it be a bullpen or stretching or a lift or even just, uh, going fishing, you know, just, yeah, there's yeah. so many, there's so many different things that I've shared on there recently. Um, and so it's just something for me that that's, uh, that's been fun. I've been, it's nice to have a home gym. I don't have to worry about any protocols or anything. If something shuts down, my home gym doesn't shut down. Right, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still it. going. You're still going. And from the off season, when the off season began to now, when have you started to get back into training or do you not stop? Are you constantly on the grind? I didn't stop. Um, I was pissed off. Just I, could, I was going to get into that being, a bit, a bit later being, on, but yeah. Being fair. Um, I've been pissed off you know, a little bit just with my, my performance and, and stuff. And, and to me, my attitude needed changing. Um, I needed to get back to knowing what I knew how to do and that's just trusting myself. And, and so, yeah, I haven't stopped. Um, I I've been throwing consistently through the off season, keeping my arm in shape more so than trying to throw off a mound. Um, so that's a little new for me. Um, and it's not like I'm burning myself out. It's it's just like a light catch just to keep the arm moving throughout the offseason. Yep. So yep. I'm not as rusty when I go to actually get off the mound, which is the phase I'm in now. And so it's uh, I'm, I've been shoot. I've been watching video. I, I treat my treat my uh, offseason like a nine to five. It's it's I'm watching video, work out, do baseball things, come back dissect the video that I recorded of myself, whether I post that on Instagram or not, I'm always recording. Yeah. And then, and then compare that to past videos. I've got, I've got in my notes, uh, a resurgent call for, uh, for 2021 because last year was, yeah, like you said, you must've been pissed off because it's a really frustrating year because you had a fantastic debut year, some brilliant foundations in place you were nearly at the end of spring training, ready to go. Your mentality must have been in towards the new season. And then, bang, it's it's all shut down. Everything's thrown into the air. You're then put on an alternate site. Everything's mumble-jumble. How was that for you as a player? And how was that mentally? Because that must have been really hard mentally. You prepared for a new season, and then, bang, it's it's gone. You don't know what you're doing, whether to train, how to train, what to do. Yeah. Yeah, how, how was that whole experience? Well, it was chaotic. The whole the whole year was chaotic because I was buying a home. I was I was moving my life forward in the same time that the world was shutting down. Yeah. And uh, and so I was dealing with a lot of outside sources. And I'm not, that's not an excuse for any mean. But I was thinking about other things and trying to train and stay busy with all the protocols that were going on in the States. And it's it was, it was inconsistent. And so yeah. even though I was training for whether that be a reliever or starter, the inconsistency of trying to train for both was putting me in an, un, uh, just a, an unfavorable p- position for myself yeah, yeah. because I was playing that mind game with myself. What am I going to be? What am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I, so I finally just, when I, when the season started, uh, my role was the long relief guy. And then I sat in the bullpen for two and a half weeks and then got my first appearance on the year. That was frustrating. And, yeah, yeah. and I didn't have a good outing. And so, you know, it's, and there's a lot of learning that goes through that. Right. And then you get sent, sent down to the alternate site and at the alternate site, I was at the alternate site, I was a starter. So there's a lot of, <laughs> There was a lot of things going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot of movement, and and when you know when I go up, I'd be a reliever. When I come back down, I'd be a starter, and that was the previous year as well. So, trying to be a reliever while trying to be a starter at the same time was never is a, is a tough thing to handle. And I'm trying this year, especially. I'm I'm making no excuses. Like sixty feet six inches doesn't matter what role I'm in. I'm going to be able to pitch. I'm going to be able to come in with my weapons. I've watched some film of what made has made me successful. And I'm going to go back to revert to some old habits um, with hopefully some maintained velocity and stuff. But the thing is, is I, I was laughing with a teammate the other day and, and we were talking about 
maintaining velocities and, and stuff. And, and this is an old teammate from back in mm. back when I was in college. And uh, we were talking and the the biggest thing that stood out to me when I was having a conversation with him was he told me that my pitches are all like I, I pitch. So like when I throw a slider, I throw a slider for a reason. When yeah. I throw when I throw a fastball, I throw a fastball. I can throw it up. To, I've hit I hit 98 in 2019. But what good is that doing when I lose my movement? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's been about manipulating the movement and we reference my debut and the debut, there was a lot of movement on my pitches. I was mixing speeds one inning. I was like 85 to 88 or something like that. And then the yeah, next yeah. inning I was, and then next inning I was like 89 to 92 and it was, and I was doing that on purpose. It wasn't, you know, trying to like ease into an inning or anything like that. But it was because I was pitching. I was trying to locate my pitches. I was trying to throw, you know, a slider on a certain plane, um, throw a throw a change up, you know, with a certain amount of depth. Um, and then the biggest thing right now that I'm working on is is a resurgence of my uh, curveball. Oh, yeah. um, I, I've I've been throwing more sliders, and I've gotten away from what I was actually good at was throwing a good curveball. So my curveball now I'm, I'm, I'm staying on top of it's harder. It's got a lot more depth and that's something that's, that I'm, I'm trying to improve and, and help step up my game. Have you, uh, have you spoken to Caleb yet? Of course, the new, the new pitching coach, have you met him? Have you spoke to him and have, have you done a little bit of work yet? Yeah. Yeah. We were on the phone for an hour and a half the other day talking about the curveball. I've been sharing video with him and, um, and he, every everything else seems to be seems to be good we were talking about it's funny that we were talking about the the differences between my slider and one year versus another and i mm-hmm. told him it was two different grips and his data basically matched up with what i was saying and how it looked and uh so we've been been able to communicate quite a bit um we've had multiple phone calls um uh our our bullpen coach Dave Lundquist is thirty minutes away, and he's been able to been able to come out to a couple bullpens and, awesome. and help me out. So, um, I'm 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 working. I'm I'm making sure that you know there's no excuses. And and you know that the other the, the other thing is too is you got to understand that teams have you know utilized those options for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and and so sometimes that your hand is dealt a certain way and you might not have a choice. So, you know, I, I, the Chris Bryant situation with the Cubs, you know, a few years ago, you know what I mean? He had options. They didn't, they want to hold on to him an extra year. That's just what teams are going to do. And so, um, but mine was probably performance based and not really having a for sure spot for me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fair. You know, I'm a starter. Um, but I, I want to do as much as I can to help a team win as a reliever. So whatever they want to do f- with me, I'll be fine with. But it, I have a different mentality going into this season. Absolutely. And the alternate side as well must have been tricky because you weren't really playing games either. Where would nobody have had a, a minor league season. That was completely scrap. Was that because, like you said, you're, you're, a ball, you're a professional ball player. You want to play games and you're at the alternate site. Just what, what, what was going on at the alternate site? We weren't really told what was going on there. Yeah, it was... It was spring training, right? It was spring training before you play games. So you know how like, uh, you know, before spring training pitchers and catchers report and then the hitters report just about five days later. Well, when the hitters get their reps against the pitchers, that's exactly what we were basically doing every day at the alternate site. We had like, we played innings, but we rolled innings. We coaches played because we didn't have a full roster to field two teams, we had coaches. We had coaches playing um, positions. Um, you know, it, it helped. Uh, you know, it helped a few guys definitely. But for in terms of growth and helping your player development program, you know, grow and and yeah, yeah. you know, just it, it it was kind of it was really tough to manage. You know, some guys went went down, got better fixed some things, went back up, performed. Um, other guys, it was kind of like, <laughs> what do we do? 
how do we handle this? Yeah. It's it's different. It must be it must be quite surreal as well. Like completely different to what you've ever done uh, becoming a professional because you played in the minors, brilliant uh, twenty eighteen, brilliant all for your career so far, and then bang, all of a sudden you're just throwing bullpen sessions every day, sort of not knowing even if you're going to get called up or not. That's that's got to be tough mentally. Yeah, and you're watching every game, right? You're you're yeah. not you're you're in tune with everything that's going on, and you know that if the team's going on a road trip, five guys in that locker room are going to go on the road trip and sit on the taxi squad and not get any work done while on that trip. You might throw a bullpen, you might throw you know play catch, but like you're 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 going to be sitting in the locker room getting your you know get a workout in maybe, but like. Mm you're kind of just on the reserve. So you're kind of just sitting there too. Just last year was funky. It was, it was weird. It was, um, I kind of expect the same for the start of the season. Yeah. Um, this year, but, um, hopefully as the year progressed, we, we start yeah, to the, get out the, of this. I think positive. I'm, I'm thinking positive. I think you, yeah. you're right. We're gonna, it could be a bit of same with the game, but I think it is going to get, it's going to get better for, yeah. for sure. Um, what uh, we, when you did pitch last year with mm-hmm. with the no fans? What was that like? What was? Did you find it an advantage because you didn't have the fans on your back, or was <laughs> it? Or was it a disadvantage not having the fans picking you up when you needed them? Like, how was that again mentally? How, how was that? We're we're in Philly, you know. We're in Philadelphia. We can't we can't do anything without our fan base. Honestly, yes. like like that's you know referencing football that's our 12th man mm-hmm. and yeah. you know like that's that's our 10th man you know like having philadelphia cheering every day day in day out whether we're playing like bums or we're not like having the fans there is more we need them more than ever hopefully this season we can have them there um it you know certain games this year I think if the energy was in the ballpark, I think we we make a, we add a couple more uh, wins. Absolutely. Um, I think it helps guys like uh, Alec Bohm um, to get his feet wet into the big leagues, and then you know this year now he's got the fans, he's got the adrenaline going. I can't imagine what he'll do, you know, with fans in the stands. But it's uh, it was interesting, you know. I I the fan no fans in the stands felt like I was at a high school baseball game. That's, that's right. what it, it felt like our our families were in the stands watching us, but it was the front office. So yeah, I, I, and you were talking about the adrenaline going there. Was it kind of tough to get the adrenaline going with no fans there? Because it must have been quite because you cause you weren't there. You you played three games, so your first game in would have been the first game with no fans. That first time on the mound, did you look around going, "Damn, this this is this is surreal." The first two days were, were bizarre. I think day three was a little bit easier, but yeah, like because it was my first outing, I think because it was my first outing, my adrenaline was higher. Yeah. Um, that kind of generally tends to happen, but yeah, it's, it's as the season progressed, it, you know, it kind of just became stale, you know, it kind of became just like a, you knew the games mattered, but in the same sense, it felt like they didn't. Right, right. It's, it, it was a bizarre I, feeling. I, I suppose in a way, because on a usual run-in in September, in the position we were in, we would have had fans scoreboard watching. If the opposing team had gone down, the, the fans would have cheered. You would have got a sense of something was happening around you. That would have got the adrenaline going. And I suppose you just had nothing flat. And it, yeah, you, you're right. I think the adrenaline with the fans in the stadium would have helped. It would have got the fans would have seen a team were behind that we had to catch, and um, they would have got behind the players. It would have mm-hmm. been that playoff run atmosphere that mm-hmm. Philly thrives on, as we've seen yep. in the past. And yeah, because right. I mean, if we're if we're in a playoff hunt, we're selling out every night. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and even if we're at half capacity, that crowd is going to be buzzing if we're yep. in a playoff hunt. And and that's and that was the toughest part, I think, knowing that we were in a playoff hunt, we were only a couple games back, and and not being able to to get in, just it it just just wasn't it. And we lost some games that we we definitely should have won, and and that ended up costing us, you know, a playoff a playoff spot. But you know what? It's uh, we're turning the page. We're in a new year. Absolutely. 
absolutely new page, new direction. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the future of the Phillies. Um, if you don't mind, I don't mind being asked what it's like to be optioned because on the outside, it looks brutally savage. You've just played a game and then 10 minutes later, there's a press release saying you've been optioned. You're sent back. Are you told there and then as well, straight after the game, you've got to go back? Or are you, you given some sort of pre-warning that you're going to come up, but we are going to send you back after the game? How does it work? Because on the outside, it looks brutally savage. Last year, last year was so... <laughs> <laughs> so savage if you want to use that word like that's that's what it was um being optioned is is unique um some guys handle it better than others you know no one wants to be optioned you want to be in the big leagues like there, mm. there's the and and when you're optioned you're gutted you're, you are yeah. um but every option gets a little bit easier because you know you can go back and get your work in um in a season like last year you were like I'm getting better being here in the big leagues. I don't want to go back. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was not that competitive that competitive nature. We're all competitive at heart, but not facing another jersey makes it tough. Yeah, I can imagine. And, yeah. and but but being optioned is is you find out uh basically say say game ends, um in a double header, they might have an extra guy there because they need an extra arm you kind of know someone's going down after the first game. Uh, and you can, it's, it's, it's so bizarre. And then uh, yeah. after, so say like it's a normal game, normal game, you get optioned probably most likely the day after. So you, so you go in, get your work in, they call you into the office right before BP and just say, Hey, we've decided to option you for, for X amount of reasons um, or, we just needed a fresh arm or what, what have you. And it's all handled very professionally, you know, you, but like, you know, you walk out of those meetings, you're going, okay, what do I need to do to get better? Or what didn't I do to stay? Yeah. And you're constantly asking yourself that. And, uh, and sometimes it can, it can mess with guys heads a little bit, but like it's part of the game. So sometimes for me, I have to, I have to accept that like I haven't performed well. So I've been optioned due to performance. So me accepting that, knowing that I got to go back pitch and, and get better is only going to drive me. Um, where some guys being optioned for the first time, they're like, what I do, I thought I got called up and I'm here to stay (laughs) and having three options and having three years of options is, um, is very tough on your, on your mental, on, on your mind. Yeah, uh, but again, like you said earlier, it's it's a a, a, a stage you learn from, right? Mm-hmm. You've been optioned once, you know you know why, you know to go back. I remember when Hector Neris got optioned, uh, twenty eighteen or even twenty nineteen. It was eighteen. Uh, twenty eighteen. He came back like like the the old Hector Neris he was. Like he was he was brilliant. Um, and I imagine he had the same process. He must have been gutted when he got sent down because yeah. bef- before it started going wrong, he was a, he was solid, mm-hmm. and um, he, he must have been hit hard because he's a big character as well. So yeah, and uh, he he came back and looked brilliant. So did you look at players like that? Did you did you talk to players like that who have been optioned before to sort of ask how to handle it in in a way, or do you just go your own way? You just want to get out there and just work on yourself. Well, we, we're all individuals, so we all have our own things that we need to work on. And, and for me, I had a lot of conversa- conversations in 2019 and a little bit in 2020 with, uh, with Adam Morgan. Right, and yeah. I, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so, <laughs> so disappointed that he's not coming back. Um, just a great locker room guy and, and good teammate. Um, but I had conversations with him about – becoming a reliever and you know a lot of left-handers you want to stay a starter as long as you can but eventually you, you transition into the bullpen and I, I i constantly was always asking him about like his routine or his you know how many pitches he throw in a in a session or how often he got on a mound if he didn't throw like there's there were so many questions i had to ask and like he's he really helped me kind of yeah get through some, get through some tough times. And, um, and in 19 in particular, he really helped me get to a really good September. 
Um, I had a really good September out of the bullpen and that's, and I, I would have to say that um, just the conversations with him and, and Dave Lundquist, uh that really helped me. That really pushed me into a better position and a better mindset going into uh, the bullpen all of September. And having that, and having September, knowing that you're not going to be optioned, there was also that, you know, going back to be an option. There's also that like satisfaction is like, okay, there's no AAA season anymore. Yeah, I can't go anywhere. You know, they can option me, but I'm done for the year if I if they option me. Yeah. So there was that satisfaction of like, okay, if I'm if I'm optioned, I'm done. If if I pitch, do well, I'm staying. And that was that was the whole objective. And at that time, my head was also like beginning of September was we're in a playoff hunt. We were like three mm-hmm. games back at the time. And my goal was to do everything I could to be on that playoff roster. I wanted to make that playoff roster. So my outings, I was just I was just geared to make make sure that I performed well enough to be there. And uh, so there's a lot of mentality changes that that I've added to my routine now. And I've left the uncertainty out Yeah. Uh, of, of the craziness of trying to figure out what's going on or who's going up, who's going down, all that stuff. I was distracted by it. It's, it's fair to say. And it's very easy to get distracted by it. Yeah. Well, even in everyday life, you know, uncertainty yep. is a distraction. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so I decided to say let's let's move on know know that you can pitch you've had success at the big league level now we just got to repeat that success absolutely awesome uh ryan owen wants to know um you are known for your effective control but obviously the step into the majors is a huge one and i wonder if you could talk about what changes if any uh you feel you had to make to ensure he uh misses more bats or induces more weak contact which you sort of cover a little bit but yeah yeah, uh, great question, Ryan. Um, I appreciate you you asking. Um, you know, it's funny is I had a conversation with Caleb when we first first had our first phone conversation, and he goes, "You know, what's what's the biggest thing that you need to you need to work on?" And I told him I need to be controlled and explosive, meaning when I get to my balance point is that I'm controlled, but when I push down the mound, everything going towards the plate is explosive. And I found that I've added a little bit more movement, but I've also maintained uh, the height of my pitches. If you if you go on the was it the MLB Vault where they have all the videos mm-hmm. yeah. and stuff, you can go on there and look up anyone. And so I kind of was curious, so I went on there <laughs> and, and looked at, and looked at myself, and and what I found is I was missing a lot of pitches between the thigh and the belt. Right. Right. That gets hit in the big leagues. That that I mean, that gets hit. And I compared that to 2018 and my successes in 2019, whether that be as a starter or reliever. Um, I compared those two years to basically 2020 and the bad outings in 2019. And the result was I was missing down at the knees. I was down at the knees, and if I would go up, I would go above the belt, you know, above the belly button, and I was controlling it. You know, yeah. and so my emphasis this off season and before we started, we kind of alluded to it a little bit, you know, the, the, the strings, um, you know, pitching down at the bottom of the zone, uh, are helping me with that. And, um, I'm going to be re- releasing some YouTube comment or, uh, content of, of kind of my off season training and stuff. So you're going to see some, oh, awesome. some of me, some of me pitching and stuff, uh, Doing that, talking about how I want to pitch at the bottom of the zone with my movement, um, and but he's right, he's right. Uh, you know, trying to be more controlled in my delivery is going to be able to be even more controlled back to the way I used to pitch. Yeah. Um, when I've had success uh, down at the bottom of the zone, in and out, up, down. Whether I just can't be in the thighs if I pitch, if I throw the ball in the thigh line. And the major leagues, it gets hit, and you can kind of look at everyone. Doesn't matter how how hard they throw, they get hit if it's th- it's if it's at the thighs. And so I just got to be better, and that's that's what I'm focusing on. I also have to execute pitches, and that's what I haven't been doing um, last year in particular. I just didn't execute a you know a single pitch. Mm-hmm. I just didn't do it, and 
that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. Or it's going to rarely happen this year. I should say that. Oh, I love it. Love it, Cole. Love it. Um, if you don't mind, let's, let's get into the, the, the second part. Yeah. And swerving behind behind the glove, away from the baseball field. Yeah. Let's go into it. Uh, so you grew up in Anaheim. Um, Ducks fan? What was that? A, a Ducks fan? Like Anaheim Ducks? Anaheim Ducks, yeah. No, I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. Red Wings fan. Diehard okay. Red Wings. Like, like I, I have countless, countless conversations with uh, some teammates and friends that are hockey fans, and they just don't, they just don't understand. But I, I'm just diehard Red Wings. Where did that uh, come from? One of my friends, he got me introduced to uh, Mike Babcock, who was at the time the head coach of the Wings, and. Shoot, I was a fan of Chris Osgood, um, the goalkeeper. Uh, you know that that famous fight with Patrick Waugh. Um, Do not on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. And uh, so you know what? There's so many. You know, Gordy Howe. Uh, to you know, there's just so many well-known Red Wings players. But it's just, I don't know what it is. I, I think I just love the grit and I love the, um, the type of attitude that the Red Wings brought. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of goes into their the the, the Detroit Bad Boys kind of theme that yeah, the yeah, Pistons yeah. had. Yeah. That the Pistons had, but it was it's more so like the attitude of like the Joe, like the Joe Lewis Arena, like was an old school hockey arena. Like there was nothing like it. And I uh, got to tour Little Caesars when we went to Detroit in nineteen, and that was I got to shoot shoot some pucks, get some, oh, awesome. get some gear. Um, I didn't want to be that guy to bring a bunch of stuff back, but I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm a diehard Red Wings fan. Awesome. And, and who, who, who was your baseball team growing up? Was so I was, a, I was, I was a big Jim Edmonds fan. So right. obviously he was with the angels, but, uh, when he went to, um, St. Louis, I actually became a, a giant St. Louis fan. Um, and I, and I and I and I love the history of the team. That's if if there was um, a team, if I got if I came out of baseball, of course I'd be a, of course I'd be a fan of the teams that I played for. Um, but I but I still pay attention to the you know the history and the legacies of of these teams. And and Absolutely. and St. Louis is one that um, really stuck with me um, when Jim Edmonds got traded. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you still, when you're not, uh, when the Phillies aren't playing, do you, are you someone who likes to flick on the baseball and watch whatever's on? Are you a, a general big baseball fan? Because I know some players don't really like to watch it too much, like to play it and then go home and sort of forget it until they're back in the next day. I've been kind of in and out. So like every other year, it's like, all right, I'm good. I got my fix. Yeah. Um, I need a little break because I, I do a lot of video. I, I mean, I'm doing about six hours of video every day. Um, whether that be on an upcoming opponent or, um, you know, six hours a day. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Or even just watching, watching myself. So, mm. um, this year it's been, give me all the baseball I can yeah, give, yeah. give it, give it all. Cause I'm trying to improve and I'm trying to get better. Uh, 2019 was just exhausting going up and down and, and making all those trips and, and, just the emotions of being a big league ball player. Um, I was just like, man, I need a break. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> Be on the mound, like I've pitched twice in a very lower level here. And I've underestimated how mentally tough being a pitcher is because it is the loneliest place on earth. It feels like when it's all going wrong, times that by a million with you guys, the major league players on the mound again how is it the loneliest place on earth for you guys when it's all when it's going wrong because damn it's it's tough at just any level yeah it's uh you know lonely wouldn't be the right term i would say <laughs> you get in your own way yeah i think that's i think that's the biggest thing um because you you don't want to fail and you're going to fail more often than you're you're going to succeed as a pitcher because you throw a ball that can domino effect into six straight. Yeah, yeah. So what I like to say is don't get in your own way. 
that pitch is behind us. We move forward. We're on to the next pitch. And in particular, myself, I got to take my own advice. I, I I got my own way a lot of a lot of times, and uh, just thinking that I wasn't ready or good enough or what have you. And I go back to the alternate side or AAA and dominate. And it's just like, no, I am good enough. And and that's something that I've kind of loneliest place. Absolutely. But I think we get in our own way a lot of the time and, and guys, it it hinders guys and, uh, and, and you see it, you see it develop and it's, and you try to help, you try to help your teammates before it, before it gets to be a problem. Um, as it's a British podcast, is there any British sport or British teams you, you follow at all? Uh, I, I pay attention to United. Um, uh, I was a, I was a United fan and um, back in high school and I'll watch a game from now and again. Um, I watch a lot of Formula One racing. Oh, man. Man, of yes. awesome. Yes. Um, actually, you're going to laugh. I would turn the camera around, but I have my <laughs> I have a 65 inch TV sitting on my office desk because I've been doing some some racing. Yeah. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I've been, I've been having a little fun. Um, but yeah, I watch a lot of formula one. Don't miss a race. Um, and then my, my fiance, uh, you know, covers racing and stuff too. So we're, we're always paying attention to what's going on overseas in terms of the racing world. Yeah, um, awesome. Man. So, who, like, who's, who's your favorite driver? Yeah. Favorite driver? I don't know if if there's a favorite driver. It's I'm tough excited. Because it's, it's so many I'm excited like for Ricardo Norris yes. comedy uh, yes, out of absolutely. McLaren. Um, uh, Lewis Hamilton just always in, impressive to watch. Um, I, I want to see George Russell in the in the oh, Mercedes again. Matt, yeah, absolutely. Um, his mentality, Bahrain. his his mentality in Bahrain to get through that race with all the challenges he faced, I just, I just want to see, he's going to end up in Mercedes. He's going to, he's going to challenge basically Lewis's. uh, I think he's going to challenge Lewis's. I hope so. Record. Season was one of my favorite ever seasons, just because there were so many epic races. Oh my gosh. Like even the first race of the year where like half the field didn't finish. Yeah. And Norris, Norris got podium by two tenths of a second. I'm a big Norris fan. Yeah. Because of Hamilton's penalty penalty. Yeah. Yeah, That 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 set the whole tone. And then Uh there was Gasly's win, Perez's win, the massive fire, Grosjean surviving that crash. Like my my heart sat not about you, but my heart. I saw that seeing that live, seeing that live was just, uh, man, I, 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 you know, just having, you know, future family that, that own a race team and, and knowing right. that they've been in massive wrecks, like it's, man, it's, it's scary, scary to know what those guys go through and, and they love driving those cars. There's nothing that's going to stop them, but it's, it's, it's scary when those things happen. Yeah. I, I felt sick when I saw it live. Like just, I've never seen a car explode like that since the late nineties. Wow. Like, and I just, you just knew something, something bad had happened. And then yep. they didn't cut, to, they didn't cut to the car for a long time. No replays. It's like, oh boy, I felt sick to my stomach. And then yeah. the images after of him getting out in this like movie James Bond sort of scene. It really was, yeah. <laughs> like what? It's just insane. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to your gaming. Your gaming, right? Yes. I see you're a big gamer. You've already shown us the the fanatic will. I'm very jealous. Um, so where did your passion for gaming come from? Because you've got your own Twitch channel, a successful Twitch channel, may I add? Um, eh, semi-successful, you know, I don't, I don't advertise it as much as I should. And that's, and that's just fair. Cause I don't want people to believe that I'm on video games more than I am focusing on right. my career. Yeah. And that's something I've taken a step back from recently. Um, but I do have Twitch. I do stream. I do. I am going to be posting content onto YouTube. Um, I do have my channel up. Um, you can just literally type in Cole Urban on YouTube and I'm going to probably start streaming over there, honestly, because I just want all my content to be in one place yeah. and people go, go to YouTube. They can go, they can find my Instagram. They can find my Twitter. Whereas Twitch, you know, I, I'd have to Twitch to YouTube, to Instagram. There's just too much. It's just too yeah, much. I know what you mean. Yeah. I gave up with Twitch for me. There's just too much going on. So I'm for those that are listening, 
I'm moving <laughs> my platform over to YouTube and and going to strictly go from there. But um, and you know what? I, the, the other thing is too on Twitch. There's there's this weird pressure for me to feel like people people want to gift a sub to me. Whereas I just want people to hang out and watch. I just yeah, want yeah. people to hang out and talk. Like I'm not there for you to give me money. Like yeah. if you give me money, I'm going to make sure I donate it. But YouTube, it's like, I'm not going to put a subscription button on there. I'm literally, or not going to put like a member button on there. It's yeah, yeah. literally just yeah. subscribe to the channel for free and watch whenever. Like and that's, and that's what I want. I want no pressure. And I just want people to to enjoy content that I like to produce. I'm gonna I'm gonna suck at it first, but I'm gonna get better. And, and like <laughs> it's all, all about of us, the fun, right? Yeah, it's all about the fun. But gaming, yeah. So I mean, shoot, I've done a lot of things for gaming. Um, you know, Scuff Headquarters to, um, you know, having a, a small little partnership with Scuff. Um, I need to talk to them a little bit um, about that because uh, I, I just haven't been playing lately. And it's a new year, and that's when contracts are renegotiated and stuff. So, uh, but you know, the other thing is too, it's like I, I was playing NHL, the video game, uh, religiously, and mm. I got to be able to start 2020 in January of last year. I went to the NHL All Star Game as a as a as a gamer. Oh, well, I saw it. I saw on base, 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 Baseball yeah. player gamer. Yeah, and. Uh, Man, that was awesome to get, excuse me, uh, to get to interact with hockey players that I would love to be able to do what they do. I, I really would. Hockey is, to me, the most impressive athletic thing you can do. Like, it is the hardest. Like, yeah. put together skating, shooting a puck, lifting a puck, and like to me like you got to be tough like there's so much that and it's all played at 100 mile an hour (laughs) exactly it's so fast and so for me like hockey's just been my sport uh outside of baseball and but i just love the video game uh the nhl franchise treated has treated me very very uh fairly um i try to play i'm trying to play a lot more shooters um because i know a lot of people kind of relate to that Warzone. Uh, warzone um I, I can't stand Fortnite. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> I can't stand it. Fortnite, I don't go along. I know Bryce plays it a lot, but I, I can't. I can't get into Fortnite. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I enjoy. I enjoy gaming. It's it's fun, and I, I'm trying to limit my hours that I play. Um, uh, I I find that iRacing and doing simulator stuff is a little bit more acceptable because I'm I'm doing something functional. Yeah, oh, iRacing is awesome. You know, it, as as opposed to just like staring at a screen and like, like at least I'm doing more <laughs> with my feet and my feet are moving and and there's more yeah. stuff going on. Um, but you know, I've just I just really enjoy it, and I, I enjoy playing with people that that want to ask you know questions or just want to just just get to know me, and that's and that's kind of this portion of this you know, podcast, right. It's right. Yeah, it's absolutely. To know, it's the get to know me portion. And and that's something that I, I encourage, encourage people to just follow me on my social media. Um, you know, just, and I'm, I'm very approachable and yeah, I can vote. If, if you give me a reason to not be approachable, that's the reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, hey, that's fair enough. Right. Like it's, I'm very easy. Like, don't be a butthead and I won't be a butthead. Like that's just, that's just how it works. Just be like, respectful. Exactly. Like if you have some, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. Like that's just where I stand. Exactly. No, (laughs) I couldn't put it better myself. Couldn't put it better myself. I've got a little bit of a a game to finish this off. It's called, it's called teammates. Uh, it's, it's, why have I heard this? It's, it's a very traditional sort of British way to end, end interviews. Um, so I've got some questions about the teammates, nothing too in-depth or anything. Don't worry. This is all lighthearted. Uh, so who would be the best joker in the dressing room? The best joker? Yeah. The best, the guy who plays the pranks, the guy who makes people laugh the most. Who, the guy who that always... makes the, so, so, but I would say the funniest guy in the locker room is, in my head is, is Kutch. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. Kutch, Kutch to me, he's just, you're, you anticipate a very witty comment 
a very solid comment. Yeah. Uh, and it just makes you belly laugh every nine times out of 10. He makes you belly laugh. Um, Who's the hardest trainer? The hardest trainer as in like hardest worker. Yeah. The hardest worker. Who's there even extra hours. Who's who will you always find their first last just training nonstop. I would say, I, I would say based on attitude, Nola, Nola, his routine doesn't change. His attitude doesn't change. He go everything he does is business. Yeah. Um, uh, he works, he works extremely hard and it's really, uh, it's Nola would be the guy that I would say, uh, is that is the hardest worker. Um, if not JT, um, real Muto, um, that guy's in the video video room more than, more than I am uh, just studying. And is, and is there one video room then in there? And you guys, you guys go in there whenever you want to study the videos and he'll, yes. he'll always be there in the corner studying. No, no, he's, he's the first one in there on the first chair. Like he <laughs> is, he is not in a corner by any means. Like he's in there to get his work done. Um, yeah, he works extremely hard, but I, I would say, I would say if there's a position player, it's, it's either one of the catchers, but it's JT. Um, and then a pitcher, it's Nola. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, who, uh, who takes the most selfies? Who's always got the camera out? <laughs> oh boy. Who takes the most selfies? I would say, I don't know. Gene? <laughs> Gene Segura? <laughs> I've seen his Insta. He, he does love a selfie. I think, I think he might be the guy that takes the most selfies. <laughs> uh, we'll go with that. I, I Yeah, his Instagram. He, he loves a selfie. No doubt about it. Um, who's the best dancer? Who's always dancing? He he is always dancing. We just mentioned him. It's Hector. It's Hector. Really? He's he's always moving. He's always doing something. He's always hey, like just always like he's got a little, little vibe. He's, he's, he's always got a vibe yeah. to him, and it's always like it's definitely Hector. Uh, after does Kutch much? Because after his spinner on the home plate on that walk off, <laughs> which went viral, that went viral over here. That was in the news over here. How to celebrate um, a big sporting moment, and it was it was on a BBC website, and there was Kutch doing the spin. It's like this is surreal. Kutch <laughs> is dancing too. Yeah, Kutch is dancing too. Like if you give him the ox cord, woo, he's <laughs> dancing. But 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 I would say Hector is moving to everything. He's he's just always if <laughs> he's doing he's always doing something. Oh, I love that guy. I love that guy. I'm glad that's the answer. Uh, who's the worst dancer? I don't know who the worst dancer would be. Or, or, or as we call it in this country, the dad dancer at a wedding. <laughs> oh, I'd be the dad dancer. <laughs> I'd be the dad dancer for sure. The what? We, I call that the white man overbite. Oh, I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old just, 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 just shuffle the penguin sort of shuffle. Yeah, uh -huh. yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Ah, oh, love it. Uh, who's who's the most fashionable? Ooh, ooh. We have a few guys that just are just good with how they <laughs> they dress, and I try to say that in the most like nicest way possible. Like, yeah, like Bryce knows how to like dress oh, up yeah. when he needs to like he's got yeah. great style he's sharp uh, he's nap nappy he's got real really good style. nappy he yeah uh i would say um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with yeah it's 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 either gotta be bryce or nappy i mean they just they just kind of know what they're 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 doing uh yeah. kutch kutch has got some Really good vintage swag too. Really? Oh man. Yeah, yeah. He's got some good like uh the uh Negro League like memorabilia stuff and like old jerseys and throwbacks. It's unbelievable. He's just got he's got some good swag and good jerseys. Um but yeah, I would I would have to say it would be I'd be have to say it was either Bryce, 
let's just go with Bryce because I mean go he's, Bryce. Got, he's, and, he's and, got the best best one. And, and the least least fashionable? Who who comes in and you think, oh man, what is that? Spencer Howard. <laughs> no way. Spencer Howard needs to step it up a little bit. <laughs> he came oh, in, he, came, he he on his debut, the day of his debut, he uh he showed up, was wearing like a <laughs> I forget what he was wearing, but but he's he's so he's so classic. Like he's he's a simple man. And yeah. it's not it's not because he doesn't have it, it's because he doesn't see the reason why he needs to spend the money for it. I, I got you. I you got, get what I'm, I mean? I'm like that. You get what I mean? I, I get where he's and, coming and from. I, I, love, I love that about Spencer. So I would say his fashion needs a pick-me-up, but like you can go go to a budget store and do that. Like just you, yeah, that's yeah. fine. But like he's he's just a, such a good teammate, good person, and like and and just all around just good guy. Like I don't blame him for it. Like I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That is his style. It, I was gonna say that that's him. That's who he is. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't. I don't want him to change. Like, but the least fashionable would be him. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the the best. Who plays the best music? Who's got the best music taste in the locker room? Nappy's always the guy that puts the tunes on. Like Nappy's Nappy's in charge of the boombox when we're. Well, sorry, he's not in charge of the boombox, but like he plays the music <laughs> on the boombox when we're traveling. So Nappy, hands down, he's the DJ in the house. He's good. And who's got the worst music? Who who puts something on and everyone's going, turn it off, get that off. <sighs> let's just say, let's let's go with Ranger Suarez. Oh man, right. <laughs> Rangers, Rangers put on some interesting stuff and like we've all had to change it. <laughs> just to leave it as that is that, is that like... <laughs> um who spends the most time in the mirror hmm. well who has the best hair bryce i would have to think that it would be bryce bryce harper yeah i'm not trying to look for that so i would have to say it's bryce bryce harper absolutely i would say um, adam adam morgan even though he's not with us anymore, he combed his hair before every game, so he's he might be on the radar too. <laughs> but if it's a, but Bryce would be the one when you walk out the locker room, he's still there, making sure that perfect hair is is in place and that beard. Mm-hmm. Oh man, love it! I love it. Um, have you ever been to just to round it off quickly? Have you ever been to Britain before? Ever planned no, to come to Britain? I want to. I want to go to Britain so bad. Um, there are so many. So many things I want to do. I just, you know, I want to <laughs> shoot. I want to go to a Man U game. I want to go to. Uh, I just want to see London. I've never been to London. Like I just, I, I just it. want, I just want to go east. Um, yeah. I've been a lot of places west. Um, been a lot of places south. I haven't been east yet. So there's a lot of places that I have I've yet to experience in in the UK. And um, is is where I want. I want to. I want to go to the UK and work my way south from there. Uh, yeah, man. Like UK is great. Europe's great. You know, France, yeah. Italy. When the world opens up again, and and hopefully the next off season, you get a chance. Absolutely do it. And and let us know because uh, there's a. I don't know if you know, but there's a brilliant uh, Philly John called uh, Passion Avenue, which is uh, owned and and run by Philly natives. They came over here. And uh, JP, JP Teddy, the guy who set it up from Philly, uh, had his own little cheesesteak van. uh, And that's how he started. He went around London selling cheesesteaks, made a big success out of it. And now he's got his own restaurant, Passion Avenue, uh, in the center of London. It's massively successful. The Eagles team were there when they came to London. They went down to Passion and sort of gate crashed. uh, Gate crashed to the evening and brought the uh, Super Bowl trophy down, and that that's went down, awesome. That went down the storm, but the the cheesesteaks are as good as you'll get in really? in Philadelphia. Yeah, they are legit. Um, nice. They got the, uh, they got the some the Philly beer over. Of course, he grew up born and bred in Philly. He knows how to make a cheesesteak, and uh, yeah. he's he's all brought the, the cheesesteaks over. It's all about the bread. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Because over here you get some connotations of it, and it's just—it's terrible. 
It's, it's like some restaurant chains try and do it, and it's just this isn't a Philly cheesesteak, and they even put Philly cheesesteak on the menu. It's just it's yeah. not, it's not. <laughs> what, what, where's your go-to place in Philly for a for a good cheesesteak? Uh shoot, I've I've been so many places. I try actually when I like hear about a place, I go try it. Um, my my regular place that I've gone to has been Jim's, Jim, Jim's yeah, Steaks South on Street. South Street. Yeah. Um, that's been, you'll, you'll probably see me there every once in a while. Um, I go there not regularly, but enough to say that I'm a regular. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um but, uh, there's a, there was a place called, I think, I think it's might be Culver's. It's like a gourmet, right, uh, okay. cheesesteak. And that was the first like gourmet one that I had. And I was, I was impressed with that. Like that, that was really good. But in terms of like traditional cheesesteak, uh, the place I go to is gyms. Um, it doesn't matter where I am in the city. I know how to get there. Uh, <laughs> like, you, you, you say that, but gyms is my first port of call. When I get into yeah. Philly off the plane, get the, uh, get the, the well, get the off the plane, Uber straight to South street. I love, I love South street as well. I love the vibe. South I love street's the old great, town. Yeah. It's a great part of the city, straight into gyms. I need my fix straight away. Yep. Um, if I want to go further out, uh, D'Alessandro's. Not sure if you've been there. Yep. That's yep. Uh, I really, really like D'Alessandro's. How do you have your cheesesteak? What what cheese? Uh, what is it called? Uh, so we, just generally American with peppers, uh, peppers and onions. Like I just I need that little kick to it. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, dress it up with a little bit of mustard, and we're good to go. Oh, I miss it. I miss it. <laughs> I miss it so you know, much. You know, if, you, if you if you haven't, if another good spot is uh, for spring training is Delco's. Oh, Delco's. Everybody, my, everybody raves about Delco's. Delco's is my. If you ever get a chance to have Delco's in Clearwater, it's 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 arguably one of the best hot cheesesteaks I've ever had. Um, they do everything right. They do everything right. Um, now, I'm always good for a competition, putting three in front of me and trying me trying to guess. So um, I might have to do that soon. I might want to do that, like do a cheesecake test. Like, where is this from? See, and, and that's why you've got to come to London as well and check out the ones at Pashi Young. Uh-huh. Because yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, they, will, they will give it a run for their money, no doubt about it. Like that's no, that's a, no excuse what's, what's get... the best what's the best place to get uh fish and chips oh man right do don't go to a chain go to uh, a local independent fish and chip shop and that is where you'll find in any towns you can't go wrong really because you, there's like five six fish and chip shops in every town every village every city um but try and go for the independent local ones because they okay. are they're the best ones the chain ones are We've got a chain called uh, Harrod, uh, not Harrods. What am I talking about? That's um, Harry Ramston's um, big chain, and they sort of they make it big and flash for the tourists. But the fish and chips aren't that good. Go, go local. Go independent. Okay. Go, go good. small. Smaller the better. Okay, good. They take more more pride and more care into that. What's an under What's an underrated and what's an underrated thing that you guys have that first time Americans need to try? Roast dinner. Roast dinner. Okay. A roast dinner. Or, well, actually, a roast dinner and an English breakfast. Okay. Because okay. Uh, every, um, roast dinner will be typically a roast chicken, roast potatoes. Oh, it's making me hungry. Uh, <laughs> veg, carrots, broccoli, um, Yorkshire puddings, gravy. Oh, oh. It's, it's a Sunday oh. tradition. Every Sunday. Oh. Um Go to a go to a good carvery if you're ever over here for a good okay. a good roast dinner. Can't oh, okay. you can't go wrong. Um, if it's homemade, even better. Like usually, you get some farms with some carveries there, and all the produce is local, local to the farm. That's even better. The meat's perfect. Either roast chicken, lamb, beef, oh, turkey, Christmas. It's just you can't beat a a good old English roast dinner. Nice, nice, and, a, and an English breakfast. But that's bacon, sausages, beans, egg, black pudding. If you want to go old school, I'm not a fan of black pudding. Toast, uh, fried bread, um, <laughs> carbs, carb galore. Like you won't eat the rest of the day. It's stacked up on carbs. But uh, I love going to America and having an American. I like 
like the concept, which is bizarre for Brits going to America, is one pancakes for breakfast, but having bacon on pan like we we have pancakes once a year here traditionally. Um, yeah. It's like a day called Shrove Shrove Tuesday. It's like pancake day. It's the only day of the year we'll really have pancakes. <laughs> so when you go to America and see it on a on a menu for breakfast with with bacon. Um, uh, I tried it and it's actually, it works. It, it bizarrely works like honey and bacon. Who knew wrapped yes. up in a pastry? It, it's like, yes. One last thing, Cole. Um, what are your personal targets for next season? Do you set yourself goals that you try and hit? Yeah. Every year you're setting yourself goals. Um, and I think for me, uh, in particular, it's, uh, it's just it, being more aggressive with the way I pitch. Um, be more aggressive to who I am, um, and try not to shy away about about mixing speeds. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of flack over the past couple of years because I didn't throw hard enough. But the harder I throw, the less control I have. The harder I throw, the flatter my pitches are. So something that I'm going to continue to do is just be myself, pitch. But in my head, um, until something changes, and I'm sure it will after we after we talk, um, I'm I'm gunning for you know there's two there's two starting rotation spots that are not solidified. yeah there is yeah, um, and we haven't had a regular lefty in the rotation in. I don't know how many years and I want to be that guy. I can start. Um, I know I can start. I've been a starter my whole career. If you look at my numbers, they're all starter numbers in the minor leagues. You look at my first three starts, even up into, even, even into that Cubs game, one pitch drastically, a one poorly executed pitch drastically changed my ERA in those three, three starts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was pitching well. There, there's. I was getting deep into ball games, which is what we needed at the time. And so I'm going to continue to trust that that's who I am, and I'm going to gun for that starting rotation. Um, it, it's it's something the Phillies need left-handed because it would probably be between you and Su uh, Suarez is the left one lefty, isn't he? The, the, yeah, so there's also JoJo, uh, and jo Damon Joe Jones. Mara, of course. Yeah, yeah, there's Damon Jones as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I, I tell you what. Not because we're talking now, but I genuinely hope it is a big bounce back year for you. I think it's going to be. I'm really, I can't wait to see you back out there from what you've been saying so far. I'm excited to see you in spring. It's going to be a fun year. Um, I think the team with how youthful we are, we're going to have a lot of energy this year. And it's going to be, it's actually going to prove to probably be a pretty good year just because of our youth. Yeah, I think people overlook that quite a lot. But obviously yeah. they see what the Mets have just done and the Braves are strong and the Marlins had a, a fantastic year, but people forget we've got a we've got a young core team here with with a lot of energy, like you said. Yeah, and I think the the thing is is a lot of us have played together in the minor leagues and now now we have a youthful group that is actually knows how to win together. Um and I think that's what you need before you before you can add those pieces. And and I think having JT back would be huge. Um, you know, obviously we we want to add a, a little bit to the bullpen and and maybe grab a starter. Um, you know, but I would love to see DD back. I would love to see. Yeah. You know, we're we're going to need a little help in areas that that I'm sure um, are going to question my role with the organization, but. You know what? It, I want to see this team win. I want to see Philadelphia in the postseason. I want to. I, I want to be a part of it. And uh, you know, this is this is just going to be a fun group. And and you know, from from the young guys that we have, from Howard to Bohm to JoJo to Brogdon to even the guys that just were added to the roster, um, there's a winning attitude that 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 is there and is established. And then you have the older guys that have played together, uh, Reese. Scott Kingery, um, and, and even they're still you know, pretty young. <laughs> and they're still pretty young. Yeah. And the fact that we're all kind of within three, four years of each other, uh, maybe a little bit more, um, is really just going to add an energy to this team. And we're going to be able to communicate information a little bit easier, I think, too. Mm. Um, you know, just because we're all 
learning at the same time. And, and that's, that's only going to improve the roster and improve the integrity of the team um, going forward. So it's going to be a really fun year. I'm excited to get to spring to get with the guys and really just have a fun time with uh, just with this group. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I really hope that this team, uh, I really hope that this team is, is in the postseason this next year. I, I, I really think that we have, we have the tools um, and spring training. We're going to, we're going to be ready to go. I, oh, I can't wait. I just thinking like, yes, yeah, oh, I was still in January. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but hey, everything's on time. Everything's on time. Spring training's a month away. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. As soon as you get that image on Twitter of the fanatic wheeling the trucks down to uh, Clearwater, you know, then it's it's go time. Colt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on talking to us, man. Uh, like I said, this is uh, this has been surreal. When we started the podcast, our, our one aim was to get a player on this podcast and. You're the first call, and uh, that that was surpassed surpassed any expectations I, I had because that was just truly awesome. Thank you for coming on Talking Ball and a bit about your life as well. Uh, w- would you be able to come back on around spring training time for just even half an hour or so? Would that be Would that be cool? Absolutely. Let's do a follow up. Let's do a follow up. Uh, you know, in a in a month or two, and and talk about things and uh awesome. yeah it's just yeah i've really appreciated you having me on and and i've been following you guys for uh a little while now seeing your guys accounts come through every once in a while on my feed so um i know you guys have been around for a little while and i appreciate appreciate you guys having me on and uh this was this was a lot of fun Cole, all the best with the rest of the off season keep grinding i i'm you've got me really excited again for the <laughs> for the season i uh that that's that that's the wrap, guys. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the uh, wow hour and a half podcast. <laughs> wow, <laughs> man, I could I could have kept going, but I've it's it's getting late here now. <laughs> um, Cole, thank you, mate. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe uh, to the podcast provider. Listen on uh, or the YouTube channel, and uh, we'll have another podcast very very soon, guys. Stay safe. Thank you very much.